not, you would have been here an hour early. And that's all right. Amen. <laughs> Hudson, uh, he was he was uh, a scientist of sorts. He collected and studied insects in his leisure time. And he came to the conclusion that there were certain times of the year that his daylight hours were so limited. And combining that with his regular shift work and his job, he was not able to study the insects that he wanted to in, in, in enough daylight hours. So in 1895, he presented a paper to the Wellington Philosophical. Society sounds like a pretty prestigious group, and he explained to them this concept of adding an hour to the day, so to speak, of this two-hour daylight savings time shift. And over the next couple of years, interest grew in his idea, and and it was followed up by several other articles uh, leading up to 1898, when the idea was discussed all the way over across the pond, across a couple of ponds from New Zealand in the nation of England. And there was a builder and an outdoorsman by the name of William Willett who revived this idea and took it from what had already been discussed in New Zealand. And in 1905, he began to institute it in the nation of England. They, they would He realized that people were sleeping through great usable hours of the summer. And so they devised this method that they could start saving time, if you will, and adding time to the day. I won't bore you you with a whole lot more history, but there is some more there that uh, culminated in the time of World War One, around 1916, when they begin to use this as a means of saving coal and saving fuel during during the war. But in a nutshell, this is where the idea came from that we uh, use as daylight savings time today. This idea that uh, on March 12th of this year caused us to spring forward. Now nobody likes that day, right? You spring forward, we did on March 12th this year, and then uh, today, uh, or this morning, or last night, depending when you reset your clocks, we were able to fall back, and everybody say hallelujah, we fell back, amen. Now, now uh, I, I, I'm not sure about you, but there's not much spring in my step usually when we spring forward. We talk about falling back in the fall and enjoy that, but I don't have much spring in my step when we spring forward. I've never felt like I sprung forward. I felt like I was dragged forward. Anybody feel that way? I felt like I was forced forward. I, I just I, I loathe setting that clock ahead. Now we've got cell phones that do it automatically. I still don't. Maybe I'm just old enough that I don't trust that thing, and I'll set my watch, you know, the night before, and then I'll compare it to the cell phone when I wake up and just make sure, make sure. You, sometimes you can't trust that technology. But uh, I, I've never felt much spring in my step when we spring forward. In fact, it's that next day. On that Monday after we spring forward, that coffee break rooms and, and, and workplaces are a little more populated. In fact, that Sunday on a national average in the U.S., church attendance on that Sunday following our springing forward drops by 20% across the board of all faiths. In all denomination, it drops because you lose an hour, and I guess people decide that they're going to sleep a little bit. And the people that don't sleep in and, and don't come to church at all, there's, there's plenty of late arrivals on that day, right? I mean, when you're when you're uh, pastoral leadership, or you're up on the platform, or you're watching, you can kind of see the congregation. You'll see people slip in the back door and kind of look around and look at their clock and. It cracks me up every year when I see that on that day springing forward. But aren't you thankful? Boy, we could shout about this. We got our hour back today. Hallelujah. Anybody feel a little more rested? 
Everybody feeling a little more refreshed? We got to fall back. Some of you woke up at your regular time. Your body body clock went off, and you got to fall back into bed. Anybody do that today? You looked up, and it was it was an hour early. You said, hang on, I'm going to fall back into bed. Some of you that are wearing these T-shirts, you didn't get to do that because you had pastor had you here early helping set up all these bounce houses and stuff. But But we got to fall back. What a good feeling it is to fall back in bed for another hour. Of course, I'm not real concerned today, and, and I think you understand already that I didn't come here to preach about daylight savings time, and I didn't come here to waste your valuable time uh, telling you the history of all of this. Uh, but I did come to ask you a question. Not, I'm not so concerned about whether or not you fell back in bed for an extra hour today. And I'm not so concerned whether or not you enjoy the, the springing forward that we did on March 12th. I'm really not concerned about all that at all, but it is time to fall back on the calendar and on the clock and, and I've come to make that a spiritual question, if I can, today. And I've come to ask you, spiritually speaking, what are you falling back on? Because we all have something or some things that we fall back on in our lives. When times get tough, when, when the road uh, gets rough, and, and our bodies and our spirits become weary, when we deal with things that are beyond our scope and our, of comprehension, when we experience things in life that we cannot understand, we all have things that we fall back on. And I've come to ask you the question, what are you falling back on today when we find ourselves at critical junctures of life when plans in life don't go as we planned and things in life don't work out like we wanted them to work out or like we intended them to work out when we find ourselves at a crossroads when we find ourselves at critical decisions am I talking to anybody this morning when you find yourself in some sort of crisis or there's a, a diagnosis that comes from the doctor or there's a report that comes from the attorney or there's there's a, a word that comes from the landlord or the owner uh, or, or there's a word that comes from your job and we, we don't know what to do and we don't know where to turn and maybe we're in a circumstance that is causing suffering or maybe we've been misunderstood or we're not sure how to understand a situation that we are going through. I'm preaching to people this morning that are in all various types uh, of crossroads uh, and bleak circumstances uh, and, and uh, situations that you don't understand and situations that you cannot control what are you falling back on during those times every one of us fall back on something we are good at self-medicating we fall back on all kinds of things some of them are not necessarily even evil things or poor things but they're things that we go to things that we go to when we when we get nervous now you might not be able to tell it by looking at me but my wife told me the other day she said Luke you eat when you're nervous I do. I'm telling you, when I, we go through tough times in life, Brother O'Connell, I'm telling you, I, I'll, I'll eat all day long. I'll, I was doing good. I, I, I'm trying to watch what I was eating, just trying to be a little more healthy, you know. And I lost about, I don't know, 19 or 20 pounds over the last couple of months. And, and man, in the last couple of weeks, whoo, need to shut the snack cabinet. It's been getting me in trouble. I, I don't, uh, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but some of us, when stress hits, I'll tell you what I fall back on. I fall back on a bucket of ice cream. You don't, you don't have to show your hands, but some of you are nodding at me. Yeah. Some of us, some, some, some folks fall back. They, they go spend money when they get nervous. We don't need any testimonies there either. Some spouses wanting to point at the person next to them. 
Some, some people, when they get in critical junctures in life, they, they get out the credit card. They go shopping. They go buy stuff. They go get a new outfit. They go, they, they, they go get stuff because somehow that, 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 that's a pressure relief valve in their life. They've, they've learned to fall back on that. It makes them feel better. It's a, it's a short-term fulfillment. Some have hobbies, and uh, some are into sports. Maybe it's hunting or fishing, or, 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 or maybe it's some other hobby that you're involved in, uh, and, and you fall back on that, and you lose yourself. Some men I've seen, uh, they've got a garage or they've got a man cave or they've got a workshop and, and, and when things get tough boy they'll spend all hours in that place wherever it is uh, just trying to escape just try that's what they're falling back on uh, 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 others people uh, other people unhealthy things they fall back on maybe alcohol or drugs or prescription medication or anger or depression we, we fall back on all kinds of, uh, of different things for some of us uh, when we get in trouble in life or when we find ourselves in a struggle we actually actually fall back or go back to things that God has already brought us out of. For some people, they go back into cycles of, uh, of sin. Psychologists call, they call this the psychology of regression. They go back to a place that was familiar to them when things get tough and when things get hard in their life. That's why, just as a side note, that the children of Israel, when things got tough and they were in the process of their deliverance, everybody say process. Because when God delivers you, very rarely does he deliver you lock, stock, and barrel in the blink of an eye. Often it is a process of deliverance. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You look at Peter coming out of the prison. Uh, he, God didn't teleport him from the center of that prison to the outside. It was a process of doors opening and doors closing uh, and chains falling. Uh, and some of you are in a process of deliverance. you got to be careful that you don't get discouraged and go back to what God brought you out of. Some people get nervous and they get stressed and things happen in their life and they're like the children of Israel. I guess it could be the psychology of regression. They, they said, were there no graves in Egypt to bury us? We, we'd be better off to die in Egypt than out here in this wilderness. And it was that that caused them to wander in the wilderness even for a longer period of time because of their whining and their complaining. You've got to understand, God doesn't ever want you to go back to what he has brought you out of. Let me say it again. It's never the will of God for you to regress back to what God brought you out of. I'm preaching that you got to be aware of the, the f comfort of the familiar, the comfort of the known. Uh, for some, it's easier to go back to Egypt because they know Egypt. Egypt has become uh, comfortable rather than to walk in faith into a new place that God has for them. Can I preach to somebody today? If you're going to experience God's best for you, uh, you've got to be willing to leave Egypt behind. Uh, you've got to be willing to leave what has been uh, behind uh, and take a bold step of faith uh, into whatever God may have for you. They require you to leave a comfortable place. Uh, I know what I'm preaching about this morning. Hear me today. Uh, it may require to leave you a comfortable place. Uh, it may require you to leave uh, a place that is very familiar to you. Uh, but if you'll step out in faith, God will honor your faith. Uh, God will grow your faith. Uh, God will bring you to a new place and to a new dimension uh, in your experience, in your relationship with him. What are you falling 
back on. What I've really come to preach to you about today is that we have a choice what we fall back on. You don't have to fall back on drugs. You don't have to fall back on alcohol. You don't have to fall back on some habit or hobby or behavior. But we have a strong arm of God. We have a mighty hand of God that we can fall back on. There is a rock. There is a sure place. There is a powerful God that we can fall back on. Oh, if you're thankful for that God, you ought to clap your hands and lift your voice right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll read it in our text again. It said you have a strong hand. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand and high is your right hand. The New Living Translation reads like this. Powerful is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your hand is lifted high in glorious strength. What the psalmist is saying, Lord, I recognize that you have an arm that is able and capable. Uh, you have an arm uh, that is very, very ready uh, for me to fall back on uh, and fall back into. You ever done one of those trust games before? Those trust exercises where you just fall back into somebody? You ever done that before? Come here, brother. Come here. Would you help me? You're not going to fall back on me, but I'm smarter than that. <laughs> come here. Come here, Holy Ghost man. You think you can catch me? All right, all right. Here, here's what we're going to do right here. We face this way. Now, you got to trust him. You, do you trust him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you? <laughs> all right. Now, when I tell you to go, now you got to just keep your arms right there. you got to wait until he hits you to catch him. you got to take a step forward. You're a tall one here. Now, when I say go, you're, you're just gonna you're just gonna like act like you pass out. Keep those legs stiff. Don't bend those. Don't no cheating now. You're just gonna go back. Can you do that? <laughs> I guess the question is, can you do that? All right, you ready? Go for it. Go. Fall back. Oh man, look at that! Give him a hand. That was pretty good. Some of y'all were thinking to yourself, my Lord, I'm glad he didn't bring me up there because I would not be falling back. Some of y'all thinking I would never do that. You know what? Some of you do, won't do that spiritually either. I'm preaching that you've got a God whose hands are outstretched, whose arms are mighty and powerful. The psalmist said, your hand is high and it cannot be brought down. You know what that means? In the original language, that's a reference to a hand that is raised in victory. No, you got to hear this. Uh, that's a reference to a hand that is raised in victory. In other words, uh, the psalmist is saying, God, uh, your hand is high in victory. I'm preaching about a God that has never lost a single battle. I'm preaching about a God that has never lost one single fight before. That's the God you can fall back on to. That's the God whose hand is in this place. That's the God whose mighty arm is here right now and he's just waiting for somebody to fall back in his presence and say Jesus I need you Jesus you're powerful Jesus I need your presence oh somebody ought to clap your hands and you ought to lift your voice right now come on somebody clap your hands and say Jesus I need you I need your presence I need your power 
The prophet Isaiah said, God has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and that all should see the salvation of God. Jeremiah said, great power is in your outstretched arm. In fact, he said, your outstretched arm is what you use to make the heaven and the earth. And there is nothing that is too hard for thee. Do you understand what I'm preaching to you about today? Jeremiah said that the same God whose arms are ready to catch you when you fall. What's your name, brother? Brother Terry. The same God whose arms are like Brother Terry's that are ready to catch you when you fall. Ready to catch you when you fall back. Those That same God, those same arms, according to Jeremiah, are the same arms that stretched abroad the heavens and stretched abroad the... So what does that mean? That means if it can stretch across the sky and if it can stretch out the heavens and if it can make the heaven and earth and fling the stars into space like they're nothing, honey, it is nothing for him to catch you when you fall. It's no hard thing for God to handle your difficulty, for God to catch you at the bottom of your dilemma. Great is the Lord, great in power. Great is his outstretched arm. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 26. Listen to this. There is none like the God of Yeshurun. Oh, there's a powerful verse right here. The God, here it is, who rideth upon the heaven in help and in his excellency upon the sky. What does that mean? There, there is no God like the God of Yeshurun. That, that word is a word that God used. Let me, let me make this as, as simple as I can. That's God's name for the people of Israel, but not just a name. Not just one of the names he used for them. But it's God's name to describe Israel. Everybody say his people. His people. Everybody say his people. It's God's name to describe them in their ideal condition there is none like the God of Yeshurun it's God's name you got to catch this this is powerful this is transformative truth right here it will God you see Israel not as they are but you see them as they can be God you see your people not in the fallen state that they are, but you see them. It's his symbolic name for them that, that means the upright ones. You read the Old Testament. Israel was not often upright. Israel went through cycles of sin and mistakes and failure and fallings. Uh, but God said, I am your God. I am your God. Uh, can I preach to you that God sees you like he saw the people in the Old Testament? Uh, he sees you uh, not in your current state only. Uh, oh, he understands if there's sin in your life. Uh, he sees if there's problems in your existence. Uh, and I'm not saying he excuses that. Uh, but I'm saying God knows how to look at you uh, through 
through eyes that are Savior's eyes, uh, through eyes that are eyes of a loving Father, uh, and says, I see you not for your faults uh, and not for your failures, uh, but I see you as upright. Uh, I see you not just as what you are today, uh, but I see you as what you can uh, be. Hear me, your failures do not disqualify you from worshiping God this morning. Uh, your problems do not disqualify you uh, from receiving of God today. Uh, but you ought to just lift up your voice in your hands uh, and say, God, I'm falling back uh, into your arms because I trust that you see me uh, not as what I am, but as what I can be. Read that next verse, verse 27. Put that up there. Verse 27. The eternal God is thy Everybody say refuge. And underneath are what? The everlasting arms. And what else? And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall destroy them. Just leave that verse up there for a minute. I'm preaching to you about this God. I'm preaching to you. I, I'm sorry I didn't come with a fancy message here. I'm just preaching to you out of this scripture, okay? The, the eternal God. That means he always has been and he always will be. No, 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 hear me. That means he predated your problem. He predated your dilemma. He was already there. He was already here. That means he was already here before you walked in this morning and he knew you were going to be here. I'm preaching about a God that has always been and will always be. That's who you can fall back on today. But it doesn't stop there. The eternal God is thy refuge. Look at your neighbor say, he's a refuge. In other words, he's a dwelling place, a temple, a place to abide. It's a house. It's a place of refuge, a place of strength, a place that is built of strength that can withstand any storm, that can withstand any amount of wind. God is our refuge. God is your refuge. I'm telling you, you can fall back into a refuge today, and you don't just have to fall back there when you get in trouble, but you can stay in this refuge. You can dwell in this refuge. Some people wait till they get in trouble and they fall back in the refuge. I'm preaching you don't have to fall back once in a while. You can live in this refuge. You can abide in this refuge. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, Psalm says, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my rock. My God in Him will I trust surely he will deliver me I'm preaching about a refuge oh somebody ought to jump to your feet and you ought to clap your hands for just a minute and you ought to praise God for the promise of a refuge He's my refuge. He's my refuge. God is our refuge and strength, Psalm 46 says. A very present help in the time of trouble. Be seated for just a minute. He's our refuge. And then it says, and underneath. Everybody say underneath. Look at that next word. Underneath. 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 I've reached... The bottom. 
No, you haven't. Because he's still underneath. Come here, Asher. My Asher. Well, you feel like you've fallen and you've reached the bottom. Sit down. And you're all the way down and you can't get any lower. I've got news for you. You're not at the bottom. Because underneath, underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath, and he can pick you up. Underneath, I'm preaching about a God that when you feel like you're at the bottom, he's still underneath. He's but why is he underneath? He's there to pick you up. He's there to lift you up. He's there to help you up. He's underneath. Underneath are what? The everlasting arms. Come here again, Asher, my Asher. Come here. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath, when you're in the bottom, when you feel like you're at the bottom, look at somebody and say, it's not the bottom. Say, God's underneath. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. We didn't practice this. You all right, buddy? Underneath are the everlasting arms. Now, my arms are not everlasting. He's a heavy boy. And we couldn't stay like this forever. Because my arms would come to a point where they would no longer be underneath. And he would be on his seat. (laughs) But God's arms don't wear out. Hear me. God's arms do not wear out. You just got to let him pick you up and you got to let him lift you up. You got to recognize that he is still underneath and you got to allow him to lift you up in this place. How do you let him lift you up? First of all, you respond to his presence. It's here right now. You respond to his spirit that's here. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you. He could, but he's not going to use those mighty arms to put you in a holy headlock. No. He's just underneath. He's just waiting to be revealed. He's just waiting for somebody to say, God, I'm ready to fall back on you. I'm ready to fall back in your presence. And when you do that, you'll find he's underneath. Underneath are the what? Underneath are the everlasting arms. It indicates eternity. It indicates that they were always there. It indicates that you were never without them. From ancient time all the way into eternity, they're everlasting arms. He is eternal. We didn't make God up. I didn't make this message up. I'm preaching right out of the book. I didn't make this up. It's an everlasting arm that you can fall back on. It's eternal. It's perpetual. It's not just an arm you fall back on on Sunday, honey. No, no, no. It's not just a Sunday only, God. No. It's an everlasting arm. You can fall back on them anytime. Anytime. Underneath are the everlasting arms. The arms of strength. The arms of power. The arms of might. He spreads his arms wide. I don't even have time to get into the second half of that verse. He's going to thrust the enemy out. Let me just say, he knows what to do with your adversary. But he won't do it until you fall back into his arms. Well, you ever heard of friendly fire? Now, this no analogy is perfect, I understand. God's not going to shoot the wrong person. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, God, if you're in a scrap. Come here, Zion. Come here, Asher, the other Asher. O'Connell. 
If you're in a fight, you guys are my enemies. You guys are fighting. Just, just, yeah. If you're fighting with the enemy, if you're fighting with the enemy in here, God's not going to come in. <laughs> Hurt your dad in front of everybody. <laughs> if you're fighting with the enemy, God's not going to come in. You got to let him go. You got to leave him alone. You got to let God. Whew, that's a word for somebody. You need to let God deal with it. I lost everything now. I'll tell you one of the hardest things the Lord's told me to do in a trouble situation, in a problem, when you know you know you're in the right and you know they're in the wrong, is to be like Jesus as a lamb before the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears are dumb, so open he not his mouth. Lost some folks right there. That's a difficult thing to do. I can tell you from experience to know when to keep your mouth shut. When it looks like it's against you, and it is against you, but you're right. You want to defend yourself. You want to bump your gums, pop your jaw a little bit, and let everybody know, hey, this this is what really went down. This is how. No, 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 no. Just let the Lord fight your battles. Realize that underneath are his everlasting arms. And if you'll fall back into those arms, he's going to thrust the enemy out from before thee. He's going to destroy your adversary. I'm preaching that it's time for somebody here today to fall back into his everlasting arms. His presence is in this place right here and right now. That's what he wants us to be. Would you lift your hands and your voice one more time to the Lord? Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and your voice right now and say, Lord, I trust you and I fall back on you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's what he told Thomas. Thomas, a man who was filled with questions. Thomas, a man who was filled with doubt and unbelief. In fact, we, we call him. What do we call Thomas in the New Testament? Doubting Thomas. Now just think about that for a minute. He was a disciple, wasn't he? He was a disciple. You know, humanity, we all, I don't care where you're from, I don't care what language you speak, what color your skin is, we all as human beings are pretty bad about labeling people according to their failures. We all do that, every one of us. That's our default human, sinful, fallen condition. Doubting Thomas, he was a disciple. Aren't you glad that you're in a church here this morning that doesn't call you by all of your failures? Call her the, we call her the woman with the issue, but the reality is if she was to walk in here today, this woman with the issue of blood in the New Testament, she's really the woman without an issue, right? Because Jesus took care of the issue. Aren't you glad Jesus took care of your issues? But Thomas, this man who was filled with uncertainty and doubt. John 20, and I didn't give you this, but I think it's John 20, 27. John 20, verse 27. Jesus appears in the room after the resurrection. But they have not seen him yet. And watch what he says to Thomas. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, 
and reach into thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not what? But believe. God is not ever, 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 ever going to just jump on you and magically transform your doubt into believing. God is never going to pounce on you. He's never going to twist your arm and force you from a place of doubt to believing. He never will. This is why, hear me, there are people who go to church for years and never get anywhere. Because their minds are filled with doubt and questions. And they sit on a pew or they sit on a chair. Can I get this chair out of here? They sit on a chair. And they have this expectation that God owes them something. That God's going to somehow come down and transform their doubt. And Well, God knows where I'm at. I've heard people say these things. I don't know any of you. I'm not picking on anybody here today. If this fits you, you need to thank God for it. And if you're mad about it, you need to talk to God about it. Okay, I don't know anything about any of you. But there are people who come to church with an attitude like, well, I, I'm here. And if God wants to do something, he'll, he'll do it for me. I, I'm here. Some of you have this attitude today. Hear me now. I, I know it's fam- family fest day. I know we got stuff waiting on us. Some of you got this attitude. Well, if God wants to do something for me, he'll come up and do it. No, God doesn't operate that way. How many times in the New Testament does it say he would have passed them by? Jesus was on a mission. He was going from here to there, and he would have walked right past somebody who was in a desperate need. He would have walked past them, but they reached, but they cried out, but they called upon his name. You can't just sit in church and expect God to transform your doubt into faith. If you want to fall back in him, if you want to fall back on him, you've got to do what Thomas did. (laughs) Jesus said, Thomas, I'm already here. How many believe his presence is in this place? It's not a trick question. He's here. He said, Thomas, I've already showed up. I made the first move when I breathed the breath of life into your body. I'm already present. Now, if you want to believe, it's your turn, buddy. You got to do something. If you want to have a transforming experience, you can't just show up and sit in church and take up space. But if you want to be transformed, you've got to reach. You've got to press. You've got to touch him. He said, Thomas, reach hither thy thing. And behold my hand and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Hear me as we stand together. If you will reach out to him today, if you will reach out to him today, I promise you, you will make contact with him. If you will reach out to him today, it would be impossible in an atmosphere like this for you to not have an experience with God if you'll just reach how do you do it how do you do it I'll tell you we lift up our hands and we reach with our voice we reach 
with our heart, but not just silently in our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. So you can't say, well, I'm going to sit here quiet and reach with my heart. No, 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 that doesn't work either. I'm sorry. We're shooting down all these arguments this morning with the help of the word. I'm not just going to be quiet and reach with my heart. No, no, no. Because if you're really reaching with your heart, the mouth is going to speak. I can't just let my love for my children or my wife be in my heart and never spoken. It better come out of my mouth once in a while or I'm not going to have a very healthy family. You you can't just have it in your heart. Hear me today. You've got to reach with your mouth. How do you do that? You come forward to this front, to this halter in just a moment or whenever you feel. And you say, Lord, I love you. And I need to fall back in your presence. Lord, I love you and I need more of you in my life. How do you reach? You come forward to this altar and you lift up your hands and you say, Jesus, I need you more than I need my next breath. And God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done in my life that have separated me from you. But God, I want to reach for you today because I want to fall back in you. I want to fall back on your presence. Would you lift up your hands and would you lift up your voice all across this sanctuary right now? now. Come on. Come on all across this room. This altar is open and I'm inviting everyone that would to come. The most important thing you could do right now is step out of your chair and walk to the front of this building. The most important thing you could do right now, come on, is to step out of your chair and to come to the front of this building. Come on, step out of where you're at. If you want to get closer to God today, if you want to have an experience with God, come on, I'm inviting every saint of God to come and I'm inviting you to invite somebody else. I would ask every Holy Ghost-filled saint of God right now, if you feel comfortable, reach over, even if it's another saint or a family member, take somebody by the hand and invite them to come forward right now for a time of prayer. Would you do that? His presence is in this place, and he wants to fill somebody. He wants to fill somebody with strength. He wants to fill somebody with his presence. Come on, don't hesitate. Some of you are waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting. You're shy or embarrassed, or, or, or maybe you feel like you're going to upset her or you're going to upset him. Come on, just, just reach. Just reach for that person. Give them an opportunity to reach for God. There's plenty of room right here. Right here. There's a big open area. There's some open areas over here. It's not too crowded. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just fill in as tight as you can into this altar. Fill in as tight as you can into this altar. I'm inviting families to come. I'm inviting husbands and wives to come. I'm inviting everybody that would. Come on. Get as close as you can. Get as close as you can. Come on. Get as close as you can. Come on. Now, would you lift up your hands? There's still more coming. Uh, come on, there's more that need to come. I'm not trying to single anybody out, but there's more that need to come. Come on, would you lift up your hands? You that are in this front, uh, would you lift up your hands and would you lift up your voice? Come on, lift up your hands and lift up your voice and begin to talk to Jesus. Uh, Lord, I'm reaching for you today. Lord, I'm reaching for you today. Come on, I'm reaching for you today. Lord, I don't know the way. God, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to fix this. But God, I'm reaching for you today. God, I want to fall back in your presence today. I want to fall back in your power today. Come on, that's it. Pray, 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 pray. Reach out to God uh, all across this room. Reach out to God. Uh, Lord, I pray that your power would fall from the front to the back. Uh, I pray that you would fill somebody with your spirit. Uh, I pray you'd fill somebody with your strength. uh, That we would fall back in you. We'd find you to be more than enough. Oh, yes, 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 yes. 
Come on, that's it. Let the prayer flow. Let the prayer flow. Let it flow in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's it. Come on, pray, 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 or pray for somebody near you. Reach out to God. God's moving in this place right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, Sanctuary Church. Let's seek the Lord right now. Somebody reach for Him right now. Somebody that's been looking for something to lean on, reach for Him right now. Somebody to catch you, reach for Him right now. I don't know what you've come out of. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what you're trying to fall back on. But today the Lord stepped in between you and that thing, and He's telling you, I'm here to catch you.
Come on, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Something powerful happening in here right now. Something powerful happening in here right now. There's everlasting arms in this place. There's everlasting arms in this place. In the name of Jesus. 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 Gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. Gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. Said the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Why don't we lift our hands right now together? Thank God for what He's doing, what He's done in this house today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I wonder if you do something. We're about, in a few minutes, we're going to let you go. But would you just give the Lord a great shout of praise right now? Come on, let's praise Him. Somebody praise Him. God's been in this house today. The presence of the Lord is here. Come on and praise Him. Let's exalt His name together. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, come on, sustain that for a moment. Come on, sustain that for a moment. God's here. His everlasting arms are catching you. He is the eternal one. He will drive out the enemy from before you. He won't let you fall. We glorify you today, Lord. We glorify you and we praise you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Sing it one more time. Better is one day. Better is one day, better is one day, better is one day, and thousands elsewhere, better, better is one day, better is one day, better is one day, and thousands elsewhere, said better is one day. Better is one day, better is one day, and thousands elsewhere. Better is better is one day, better is one day, and thousands elsewhere. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you today, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Where you are, if it's comfortable for you, you don't have to do it with a stranger, but maybe if it's somebody you know or man-to-man, lady-to-lady, you take somebody by the hand near you, and you would just join with them in prayer, and you lift that hand toward heaven, saying, thank God for arms behind me. Thank God that I've got a place to fall back on. Thank God I've got a place to fall back on. Come on, pray for that one beside you. Pray for that one beside you. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Come on, God's still working here. God's still working here. The Lord's still moving right now. Come on, there's somebody standing with you. There's somebody beside you.